Good morning, everybody. This is the VBAC link, and we are excited to bring you another VBAC story today. We have our friend Jennifer, who's in California, and guess what? She's also a birth doula. I love when birth doulas share their stories because I feel like sometimes as birth doulas, we for like while we're in labor, we forget like all the doula things. And I always love to hear like sometimes how us as birthing doulas will labor. Because for me, when I was in labor, there were some things that I knew I probably should have done, but I, I wasn't in that doula mind and was, wasn't able to like think, oh, I should do rebozo <laughs> apples right now, you know? And so I love hearing what doulas do and don't do. And I love that because it's just a reminder that even us as doulas can benefit from a doula being in the room. So I'm excited to hear your story, my love. But of course, we have a review of the week, and this is from Rosie P87. And she says that this podcast is empowering and healing. She says, The VBAC link has been exactly what I needed, but I didn't know it. Listening to the podcast has been healing and helpful in processing my C section after my first baby. Julie and Megan are informative, informative and engaging to listen to. I know that I will have a different birth experience with my second baby because of the information and confidence that I have gained through listening to this podcast. Thank you so much, ladies. And thank you, Rosie P. That was back in March. So definitely write us when you have your baby and let us know how things went. And thank you so much for writing a review. If you haven't written a review yet, we would love your review. You can head over to um, Apple Podcasts or Google Play. You can go over to Facebook. You can leave us an actual Google review on our website. Or if you would like, send us an email with subject review. We would love to add your review in and possibly be read on the next podcast. You are tuned into the VBAC Link podcast with Megan Heaton, who is a longtime doula and VBAC mom herself, here to help you get inspired for birth after having had a C-section. Along with this podcast, the VBAC Link offers blogs, resources, and a comprehensive VBAC course for both parents preparing for birth and doulas wanting to take their VBAC education to the next level. Be sure to follow Megan and her team on all social media platforms for even more. Although these podcast episodes are VBAC specific, it is encouraged for all expectant moms to listen and educate themselves on how to avoid a C-section from the get-go. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Here is your host, Megan. Okay, Jennifer, we are going to turn the time over to you. I would just love to hear about, we were just talking a little bit about you becoming a doula, but I'd love to hear why you became a doula and what inspired you and maybe how being a doula helped you during your birth as well. Hi, thank you for having me. I appreciate it so much. Yes. Thank Um, you for being with us. You guys were a huge part of my journey through this. Uh, I'm really excited to be here. (laughs) I love, I love that. Like I love, cause you know, we can't physically be with everybody, but I love that we can just be with people along their journey, just with like a sliver, either if it's just following our Instagram, following our blogs or listening to the podcast, it just makes me feel so special. I'm like, I feel like I've attended so many births through listening to all these birth (laughs) stories and then like kind of do led from the side on this podcast. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. You guys have definitely helped thousands of women, I'm sure. (laughs) Well, awesome. We'll share your stories with us. 
Yeah. So I know you just asked how I became a doula and I'm still like fairly new to it um, and going kind of slow because I have, you know, two little kids. (laughs) Yes. Being a doula Um, with children, it's hard. It's 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 really hard. hard. Yeah. It's, It's definitely tricky to navigate, but it's so rewarding and I think even just doing, you know, a little bit here and there. Is yep. Really... One or two is so great. Yeah. Yeah. And really it was just my, my original C-section that inspired me to become a doula because I was always interested in birth, but after I went through like a really like scary situation that I wasn't prepared for, I kind of just wanted to, I guess, like make up for it by helping other women go through um, their journeys and hoping to help them avoid going through some of the more traumatic stuff if they're, you know, educated and advocated for and stuff like that. So love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. (laughs) Well, welcome to your journey. I'm excited to see you grow. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. Me too. (laughs) And do you, do you have an Instagram for your podcast or not your podcast, your doula? You know what? I don't have like a, I kind of just use my personal one, but I'd be happy to, I'd, I'd be happy to give you that. So yeah, if you want anyone yeah. to go follow you, feel free to share. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I can just send it to you because my last name is kind of confusing. <laughs> Perfect. I'll send it and we'll add it in the show notes. Perfect. Awesome. Thank you. Okay. Well, feel free to share your story. I'm so excited to hear them. Sure. So I guess no VBAC is a VBAC without a C-section. So that's where I'll start. So I was 24 when I had my first baby. I'd always wanted to become a mom. Um, I was always like super interested in birth, even when I was, you know, when I was like a teenager, I'd always watch all the birth stories and all that stuff on MTV and all the things that make birth sound really scary, but (laughs) I was still interested in it. So I guess I'll just jump right into, I was 40 weeks exactly on the dot and I was laying in bed at night and I was feeling super uncomfortable and I got up to go pee and my water broke. And I had taken like a Bradley class and I was just preparing to labor at home for as long as I could. But I was kind of like confused when my water broke because in Bradley, they would teach, oh, like 10% of people have their water break first. Like it's probably not going to happen to you. And um, here's what to do if it doesn't basically. So when my water broke, I, I woke up my husband and I was like, dude, <laughs> my water broke. Like, I, I think we should just go to the hospital. Isn't that what you're supposed to do? And he was like, uh, I don't know. Like, are you sure? And I was like, I don't know. So, so I called them and they, they said, well, we have to tell you to come in. And I was like, okay, I, I guess I'll go in then. So I took a shower and went in and I got there and I was one centimeter dilated. Of course. I was having contractions and everything, and I kind of expected it to be, you know, barely dilated, but I just, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how I I was too. Your water broke first. And my water broke. And then I walked in and they're like, you're maybe one. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, oh my God. Hearing that is just like, okay, we have a long road Uh ahead of us. Yeah. But they, they said, you know, we're going to keep you because your water broke and blah, 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 all the things they normally tell you. So, um, we were in triage for a couple hours and then they got me a room and that's when the contractions really started like kicking in. And I was planning an unmedicated birth. 
but I was pretty surprised like from the get-go, like how intense it was. So my husband was just rubbing my back and everything and I was doing fine. I was just leaning forward through all the contractions and breathing. And I think around like five or 6 a.m. we called our parents and they came and it just started getting so intense at that point. And I just wasn't as prepared as I thought I was for, for the sensations. So my mom and my husband were rubbing my back and everything was just getting so intense, so fast on top of each other. And they checked me and I was four centimeters and I was just like, Oh my God, dude, what? Like how? Uh, (laughs) So I kept, I kept going though and labored for, I don't know, maybe another four hours. And they checked me again and I was at a six. And at that point I was just like, I can't do this anymore. If if this is going to get more painful, I can't do it. So I opted for, I asked them for something at that point, but not for an epidural. I did not want to get an epidural. So they were like, okay, well, let's try the laughing gas. So I tried that and I don't know about anyone else, but I could not keep that thing on my face like at all. I just couldn't. I have it too. (laughs) And I was like, I need something to like hold it for me because while holding it too, like I would get kind of like not sleepy, sleepy, but kind of like dozy, like, like out of it, out of it a little bit. And then like, I couldn't like apply the pressure that I needed to be on my face. And then I'd forget. Mm-hmm. And then my hands would drop and then it'd fall. I'm like, can someone just hold this for me? Cause like, Oh my gosh. I know. I know. But it's like the thing that they're, it, you know, you have you to hold your own. <laughs> yeah. You can't have anyone else touch it. Like it's exactly. that's the rule. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know. Yeah. That was, that was terrible because I was like, okay, if I could just get this thing to work properly, maybe, maybe I could keep going, you know, but it didn't work like that. So, Mm -hmm. and everyone was kind of like, not yelling at me, but just like, hold it on your face. Just hold it there. And I was like, I can't, (laughs) it was horrible. Um, so I was like, I, I, I'm just screw this. Let's forget about this. So they were like, well, do you want to try fentanyl? And I was like, I, I really don't want fentanyl because my whole take on the situation was like, how is it that I'm not allowed to take Advil, but I can take fentanyl? Like, <laughs> it just didn't make sense to me. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, they, they were like, well, so I was like, okay, well, let's just do the epidural. Then they were like, well, that has, that has fentanyl in it too. And I was like, okay, whatever. I'm not going to get through this without it. Or so I thought. So I got, I ended up getting the epidural. I was like eight centimeters at that point. And it worked right away, but then like immediately, like immediately after I got it, uh, his heart rate dropped like really low, like to 70. And, um, immediately they were just like, okay, we're taking you to the OR. We got to get this baby out right now. So they rolled me to the OR and I was freaking out the whole time, of course. And my parents were in there and they were just like talking, like they had no idea what was going on. And they threw my husband like some scrubs and they rolled me in there and everyone was just kind of like, what, like what happened? No one else was paying attention. But by the time they got me in there, his heart rate stabilized and they were like, oh, never mind. It's actually really really common for baby's heart rates to drop after an epidural. Yeah. Which at the time Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. And Mm -hmm. the nurses were telling me, we have never seen this before. And yes. And since then I've been like, that's a huge lie. Or this is their first time being a nurse. Like, 
Yeah, that's interesting. I see it all the time as a doula. And like, sometimes it's getting more fluid. Sometimes it's stabilizing mom's blood pressure. Sometimes it's just changing the position, not from, because they sit you up, you curl over and then you lay flat on your back. So it's like Mm -hmm. equal. And like between those three positions, baby's like, whoa, what the heck? And sometimes it's just like slightly moving to the right or the left and it can recover. Yes. Yes. And since then, you know, I've learned that. And I also know that my blood pressure is like naturally really low. So mm-hmm. probably something to do with it. Yep. yep. <laughs> yeah. So they rolled me back in and they were like, just kidding. You can have a vaginal birth. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so, um, I was like, a, they checked me again, had a million cervical checks and they were like, okay, you're nine and a half, you know, the baby's coming soon. And I was like, okay, cool. So they were like, you just have a little cervical lip. So they put a peanut ball in between my legs and I laid there for like two hours and, um, you know, nothing was happening. I was like feeling a lot of pressure, but I wasn't feeling like the urge to push. It was just a lot of pressure, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And, um, the nurse next to me, I remember just laying there and I was like, oh my gosh, when is something going to happen? Like, I'm just sick of, the- I was just over it at that point. And the nurse was sitting next to me on her computer and she was like, you know, I know you don't want medication, but you know, me and the doctor really think that like the, uh, the lowest dose possible of Pitocin, you know, might just get this baby out right now. And mm. I was like, I don't know. Like, I, I don't feel comfortable with that. And she was like, we can just do like a two, like the absolute lowest dose. And, and we really think it'll help. And I was kind of like, Oh, okay. Um, so they, they did that. And once again, immediately his heart rate dropped like really low and Mm. everyone came rushing in the room again. And I was just laying there freaking out and this nurse, it just got so frantic so fast. This nurse started saying, okay, it's been three minutes without a heart rate, three minutes, four minutes, five minutes, like just counting Mm. it like that. Mm. And the doctor was right there and she was like, okay, push, just push. And I, I tried once and she was like, not like that. No, no, no. You're doing it wrong. Just push. And I was just so, you know, flustered. Yeah. Yeah, It was crazy. And then the nurse next to me just continued saying, okay, seven minutes, eight minutes, nine minutes. And eventually the doctor was just like, okay, we got to get this baby out. So once again, they rolled me back into the OR and, you know, I'm a first time mom. I've never given birth before. And I'm like, is he alive? Like, I, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So they rolled me back there and they like moved me onto the, onto the table and the nurse put the Doppler on my belly and she could not find his heartbeat. She was just moving it all around my stomach and couldn't find it. And I was just like screaming and crying. And I was like, is he okay? Like, And they were just like, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Like, stop screaming. And I was just, I just felt so unsupported in that moment. Like no one, no one could understand like how that was feeling. And the anesthesiologist came in and he was like, look, we're just going to have to put you under, like, we have to get him out now. And I just burst, you know, into tears. And I was like, I, I'm not going to be awake for the birth of my son. Like, is there any other way to do this? And Mm -hmm. he, he was like, he eventually agreed. He, he gave me all kinds of stuff. And he was like, okay, you know, 
let's let's just try let's just try this when you're awake and so he gave me all kinds of stuff i was feeling fairly numb but not all the way numb i could feel them doing everything they were doing but it wasn't like severely painful but hmm. i was still screaming i think i was just so scared and my husband wasn't in there the whole time they wouldn't let him in until maybe halfway through the surgery what yeah so he Jeez. came in That's eventually scary for, yeah it, scary yeah it was it was really scary I, I just felt so alone like laying there on this cold table not knowing if my baby was okay so he came in and he was he was freaking out worse than me the whole time I just have to say that he at the beginning of my labor when I was laboring you know without pain medications he was like puking in a bag in the corner because oh, he was so oh, freaked no. <laughs> And I was like getting mad at him. I was like, excuse me, I should be the one puking right now, not you. <laughs> um, uh. It was sad. But anyway, so he came in the room and he was like holding my hand and he didn't say a word. He was just looking into my eyes, like crying. And I was screaming back at him and eventually I just felt them like lift something out of me and it was him and he was crying and it was like the best moment of relief. I couldn't yeah. believe he was okay. So they like put him over the drape and they took him back immediately. And my husband went back there and they were weighing him and stuff. And I was just like asking my husband, what does he look like? Like what color is his hair? Like I just, I kept asking, can I have my baby? Can I have my baby? Can you put him on my chest? And they were like, no, you can't, can't see him yet. It ended up being like 45 minutes before I got to see him. And I was just so sad to even have to be like asking what he looked like. It just felt so wrong, you know? And then meanwhile, they were like stitching me back up. And that's when everything started really kicking in all the like numbing stuff they gave me. And I started feeling like I couldn't breathe or swallow like everything. It was numbed like up to my throat. And uh, my husband came back and I was just like, I can't breathe like something's wrong. And the anesthesiologist was standing above my head talking on the phone. And I was just like, excuse me, like help, help. And he just kept talking on the phone. I like so vividly remember that that moment of like feeling like I was going to die and and not no being listening. acknowledged. Yes. Aww. Yes. And like, you know, I look back at it now and I was like, I probably wasn't going to die, obviously. But, but you know, when, when you feel that feeling, way. Yeah. When you're feeling that way, your mind's not like, I'm going to be okay. It's like, I can't feel like I don't feel like I can breathe. But yes. That's yes. where your mind is. And it's not able to really go anywhere else. Exactly. So it was it was a scary moment. And my husband had to be like, hey like help her please help her so anyways he gave me more stuff <laughs> i don't know what any of the stuff was i i do have my records but i mean it's all scientific talk you know all this stuff i never planned on having anyways they eventually rolled me into the recovery room and when we were like on our way there that's when they put him on my chest his name's august and they put august on my chest and i just remember thinking like are you sure? Like, this is my baby. Like, I, I remember everyone talking about this moment of like bliss and like just love. And 
I didn't feel anything. I just felt like there's a baby on my chest and it was really sad. And, um, disconnect a little bit, definitely disconnect. I think I was just so traumatized by the day. Oh yeah. And medicated. Yes. And so heavily medicated. I just couldn't think at all. And, you know, once we got back to the room and I started breastfeeding him and it started slowly building like that connection, but I was puking all night because of the anesthesia and it was just, it was just hard. And the next day I started feeling so in love with him and I started feeling like how I think most moms feel, but I really struggled after that because I just felt like my body was like broken. Like I, I didn't give birth to this baby. This baby was cut out of me. Like maybe I couldn't have done it. Like I'm not a real woman, you know? I struggled with those feelings for a really mm. long time. And yeah. I I also felt like just, I felt like something was missing. Like the whole first year of his life, like I loved him so much, but I was just like, why am I not happy? Like why, mm. why am I trying to escape motherhood sometimes? Like, I don't know. Like I wanted to be with him, but I just felt like there was just some overwhelming sense of sadness, like over my life the first year. And I had like severe anxiety. Like I was so scared to leave him anywhere. I I was I couldn't sleep at all because I just wanted to stare at him. It was just not how I pictured motherhood, you know. And that's when I started thinking about feedback and being a doula and everything. And I started going on these long walks every day with my son because that's when COVID hit and I couldn't go to the gym or anything. So I just went on walks every day and I would listen to your guys' podcast every day for at least an hour, at least an episode a day. And it just brought me so much like relief in that in that moment, like hearing other women who was who have also gone through the same thing and other women talking about how they felt broken too. And I knew I wasn't alone. So thank you for your podcast. It helped me so much. That makes me feel so happy. (laughs) Yes, you should. (laughs) And to thank you for all of those who have shared their stories leading up to yours to help you. And just like you're doing right now, you know, yeah, paying it forward. Every story pays it forward. Absolutely. I think there's so much like magic in women sharing their stories together just makes them feel so much more like united and absolutely. Yep. Definitely. So fast forward, my son was like, mm, how old was he? 22 months or something. And I got pregnant again. It was our first try and we really wanted like that age gap. So it was awesome. And this whole time I had been like living, breathing and eating VBAC. Like that's all I wanted in life was to have a VBAC. And I knew it was going to be different. I was going to go a different route. And I was so freaked out about the hospital at that point. I knew I didn't want to go back. So I saw midwifery care and I had this beautiful, amazing midwife. Her name was LaMonica. And she was just so like laid back and so calm and so trusting of my body. And she would just always, anytime I had concerns, she would just be like, you're fine. You're going to do fine. Like you're She just never made anything a big deal. It just felt normal. And that was exactly what I needed. And I spent so much of my pregnancy just journaling and meditating and like talking to the baby and 
I knew, you know, that I was capable and I just wanted to cut everything else out from my life that wasn't serving me, I guess. Um, I didn't watch like any TV or listen to any negative birth stories or anything. And I didn't talk to anyone about my plans who weren't going to be supportive of it. I just didn't want anything negative in my head. So we were planning a home birth and I was really excited about it. It was, I was 40, 40 weeks and six days, I think, or 40 weeks and five days. And I was starting to get a little bit nervous about just the time limits and stuff that California has on home birth. So anyone who doesn't know, you mm-hmm. can't be 42 weeks or over. They would have to transfer care. So I was still like a week away, you know, but we were talking about it a little bit, like what happens if, and I was just so freaked out about the hospital. I was like, I, it was just starting to stress me out really bad. So she was like, well, I could, I could sweep your membranes if you want me to. And I was like, sure. I mean, I guess the worst that can happen is nothing, (laughs) you know? So I got my membranes swept and then not the next day, but the day after I, I was having a lot of prodromal labor like that whole week. I I had nights where I would have like sensations, you know, 10 or 15 minutes apart or closer all night. And then I would wake up and they'd go away. So this night in particular, I was having the same sensations all night and I woke up and they didn't go away. So I kind of had a feeling like maybe this is it. We'll see. I mean, I got my membrane swept, so I knew that it was a possibility. So I was just doing my daily things, just hanging out, hanging out with my friends, taking care of my son and my husband around one or so put my son down for a nap. And I'm a photographer too. So I was sitting at my computer editing on my birth ball and I was noticing, okay, these are, these are still here and they're getting a little stronger and closer together. So I went to the bathroom and my mucus plug came out and I was like, yes, sweet. That means things are, things are happening. So my dad had invited us over for dinner that night and I was like, let's still go. I might be in early labor, but who cares? Let's still go. And he lives about two miles away from my house. And I was like, huh, maybe I should walk. Oh, and just a preface, I had been so weird at the whole pregnancy about the baby's position because I just wanted him or her, we didn't know the sex, in a good position for, you know, to come out the right way. (laughs) We went to Disneyland around 35 weeks pregnant and I sat in a car, reclined the whole time. And then I got like this. I like sat in this massage chair, reclined, and I was like, this one time won't hurt. But it was so weird because after that weekend, he turns out to be a boy. He was OP and he stayed OP. And I did everything in my power to turn him and um, occiput anterior, but he just wanted to stay sunny side up. So I decided to walk to my dad's house because I thought it might help kick things into gear and it might help with his his position. So I put my son in his stroller and I started walking there and I was having the waves like every five to seven minutes. And they were definitely getting to the point where I had to breathe a little bit through them, but they were fine. So I walked that whole two miles (laughs) and then I got to my dad's house and my husband and my dad were talking and 
my son was playing and we ordered pizza and stuff. And I was just like standing in the corner, like swaying my hips. <laughs> and <laughs> my dad was like, so this baby might be coming soon. And I was like, hopefully, you know, I was just playing it cool. I didn't want to like make a big deal. And by the time the pizza got there, I was not hungry, but I was like, I ordered this like healthy pizza <laughs> with cauliflower crust and stuff. And I was like, I, I should probably eat something because I have a feeling this is going to be the last time I want to eat. Yeah. And <laughs> we were all sitting at the counter and everyone was eating their pizza. And I was like standing, leaned over the counter, like swaying my hips, eating my pizza. And a couple minutes after that, my husband was like, uh, you look like you need to go home. And I was like, eh, yeah, I think so. It was starting to get to the point where I couldn't kind of like keep it on the down low anymore. So my dad once again was like, well, do you think the baby's coming like this week? And we were about to leave. And I was like, I'm pretty sure I'm in, I'm in labor right now. And he was like, really? And I was like, yeah, I think so. So we went home and we put my son to bed and I was like brushing my teeth, like swaying. And I went to go lay down with him. And I was just like thinking maybe I can go to sleep for a little bit. And I definitely couldn't, but I was able to lay for maybe like 30 or 45 minutes. And my husband was still out in the living room or feeding the cats or something. And I texted him from the room and I was like, I think it's time to set up the birth tub and everything else. So he set up our living room so beautifully. Like he, he hung up all these lights and put up the birth tub and it was just like exactly how I wanted it. It was so peaceful and beautiful. And he went to bed and I really wanted throughout my pregnancy to labor by myself for a while. I just thought, you know, I could just, I just think it's so amazing how powerful women's bodies are. And I just wanted to like experience that like without distraction. So I came into the living room and the kitchen and I was laboring alone and just listening to music and swaying and kind of setting up some last minute stuff, like hanging up my affirmations and everything like that. And the contractions started getting closer and closer. And by the time they were like four minutes apart, I called my doula and I had her come over. It was probably 11 or 11.30 PM at this point. So I probably started like active labor around like 7.30 or 8. Um, so she got there. And by the time she got there, I like could hardly answer the door. It just seemed that it was progressing so fast. And I was handling them really well. I was just on my hands and knees basically the whole time. But by the time she got there, they were three minutes apart. So we called my um, my midwife and she came over around midnight. And I was just like, can I get in the tub? Like, I want the tub so bad. And originally I didn't want any cervical checks, but she was like, would you want one just to make sure you're like far enough along to where it would be a good idea to get into the tub? And um, I consented to that. And she said I was like eight to nine centimeters. So we were all stoked and like all celebrating. And we thought that, you know, it was going to be sometime soon. So I got in the tub and was just, you know, vocalizing through the contractions and everything. Everyone was being super supportive I didn't want anyone to touch me, but it was really, really awesome having the support just in the room, you know, and I learned a lot as a doula 
through that experience because I was like, gosh, I don't need to always be doing something. I don't need to always be touching someone or doing anything. I can just be be there holding space. And it means so much. Yes. I was going to say holding space is sometimes one of the most powerful tools as a doula mm-hmm. that we can have and bring to the space. Absolutely. Just having like that women, like feminine energy in the room, knowing that like these people are here for me and they believe in me. It made it feel just like, it was just so amazing. So I was in the tub and they were just bringing me like water and stuff. And I felt fine. Like, I mean, it was intense, but it's, it's just crazy. Like looking back at both birth stories, how I wrote out the birth stories. The first one was all about pain and I can't do this. And this is so hard and I'm dying. I thought I was going to die. And this time, like all of my words were just, it was so amazing. And so like, it just flowed, you know, and it was intense, but it wasn't, I didn't think it was painful, like at least at this point. (laughs) So I was laboring all night in that tub and mind you, I was at like eight to nine centimeters at, at midnight. So at 10 o'clock in the morning, they were like, my midwife asked to check me again and I hadn't progressed at all. (laughs) And I was just like, oh my God, like this is crazy. Mm -hmm. I haven't slept. Nothing's happening. I wasn't feeling the urge to push and my contractions I did notice in the moment were like spacing out. And I was just like, what is the deal? And I couldn't pee by myself. Like I just, I could not, I eventually peed a little bit. It was just so hard for me. I felt like I couldn't do it. And she, my midwife was like, you know, nothing is wrong. Like we could stay here as long as you want to, but do you want to, like, are you, I don't want to force you. I think you're, you're doing great, but I don't, I don't want to force you to like, do you feel like you're suffering kind of? Cause she could tell, like, I mean, the energy was starting to shift at that point, you know? she was like, why don't we go do some side lying releases on the bed and we'll see if that helps. And there's so many things that I wish I could have done, but you know, when you're laboring, you don't, you can't doula yourself. (laughs) No, Um, no, exactly. That's what I was talking about earlier is like you, even as a doula, you can't doula yourself. It's, it's just so weird. Like there was a time where I should have been like, I should get up on hands and knees and have someone do apples, shaking the apples with a rebozo. And I just, it wasn't in my mind. Like I didn't think about it and I didn't have my doulas there quite yet. I had like my cousin and I'm like, I could have had her do that, but I just wasn't in that space. Yeah. It's when you're in labor land, you can't think like logically, you know, you're just thinking of what's happening now. Mm-hmm. So, yep, exactly. yeah. So that was a bummer, but we did the si- sideline releases and they were just so that's when things became painful. Like I couldn't, I did like 10 contractions on each side and I was just like, nope, nope. I'm going to go take a nap. This is what's happening. <laughs> I need a nap. So I had this in my head that I was going to go to the hospital and take a nap there, even though I was like fully dilated and that clearly wasn't going to happen, but that's what I wanted to do. So they packed up all my things for me and we got in the car and I, Wyatt had, my husband had the windows down and we were just like, I was like roaring through these contractions and we were like at these red lights and I was like, oh my God, these people are going (laughs) to, I don't even know what they're thinking right now, but I didn't care. Um, (laughs) We pulled up to the hospital and I walked in and we weren't like supposed to be there. So no one, 
I mean, they called ahead of time, but I was just walking through the entrance, like leaning over on things like, oh, like making all these crazy noises and everyone was staring and trying to get me to sign papers. And I was just like, dude, no. Um, (laughs) We got into triage, stayed there for what felt like forever, but it turned out to be like, I think two hours altogether before I got this epidural that I thought that would save my life and let me sleep. My headspace was thinking, I'm not going to get a vaginal birth if I don't get rest because I had been up all night doing this and I'd been dilated like almost fully all night. It was just so tiring. So I got this epidural and it failed like a hundred percent. It failed. And I was just so bummed out because I was like, what about my nap? Like I was going to take a nap. Like I, I need this nap, you know? And they were just like, no, that's, that's not going to happen. And the doctor there, he broke my water. My water hadn't broke yet. Um, Not something I wanted, but I was just at this point, I was like, do whatever, you know? And he was like, well, looks like we're going to have a baby, like start pushing. And I didn't feel the urge to push, but you know, I'd been dilated for so long. Like I just went along with what they said and I pushed and at this point, my legs were getting numb, but I still felt like the contractions were getting more intense. Like it numbed my legs. So I got stuck kind of like on my back, but I could still feel everything. So it just made everything like painful. You know, I couldn't be in my positions anymore. I couldn't move. And at this point I'm like screaming my lungs out, <laughs> like telling my husband, like, I am not doing this for one more second. Like just cut this baby out of me. I can't, I can't do this. Like and he was he was just so supportive and amazing and looking at me straight in the eyes and he he had tears in his eyes and he was just like you are doing this you're going to do this you can you can do this Aww. and the nurse next to me was like i'm not letting you go into a section like you're way too close like you are going to do this Aww. and the doctor as well like i was like no like just get him out can you just pull him out like or him but i didn't know if it was a him but he was like, nope, nope, you're going to do this all by yourself. You're going to you're gonna get this baby out. And I pushed for two hours forcefully, which was definitely not something I wanted to do. But it happened. And eventually, he started crowning with, with the doctor's kind of like manual manipulation. He was kind of having to like reach his hands in because my son was OP and his head was kinked to one side. So that explains why he didn't want to come out, (laughs) but eventually he came out and my husband got to announce it, you know, it's a boy and we were just bawling. Like we couldn't believe that it happened. And it was like, it was the best moment of my whole life. It was the sweetest thing ever. And I just couldn't believe it. It, Everything made sense once he came out and I got Mm -hmm. that moment that, I missed with my other son yeah, and it was really awesome because this doctor, he was so amazing. He, he was asking as I was crowning, like, I, you're really like, everything's really tight. You're going to tear. Can I cut you? And I was like, can you not Mm -hmm. cut me? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, can you not? And he was like, okay. And just no pushback at all. I, I tore naturally. And my husband was like, Hey, please don't wipe him down like at all. And they didn't, they didn't wipe him down. They didn't touch him. And he was screaming and he was on my chest. And, um, 
the, the placenta like came out right away and he was like, um, or well, I, it must've been like three minutes. Cause someone said the word Pitocin and I was like, no, thank you. I don't want Pitocin. Mm-hmm. Can we just skip that part? And they were like, you know, usually we do it for like, um, hemorrhage, like management. And I was like, yeah, but I'm not hemorrhaging. So can we skip it? Yeah. 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 And they were like, they were like, sure. Yeah, that's fine. So they were like, is it okay if we cut the cord? And I was like, can you just put the whole placenta like on my stomach? Yeah. Yeah. And they did that. They didn't cut the cord at all. They just left the placenta attached to the baby on my belly for like 30 minutes. And it was so mm-hmm. awesome. And I got yeah. to just like see everything in its glory. Like everything I missed the first time was happening. And they, they were like, well, I'm assuming you don't want any of these like newborn procedures, right? Like, and I was like, no. And they were like, okay. (laughs) Yeah. They were like, okay, fine. They didn't give me any pushback. I was GBS positive. I chose with a lot of, you know, thought I decided on not to get, not to get antibiotics. And we didn't do any of the newborn procedures after, and no one gave us any trouble at all. It was just, we were just so respected and it felt it felt like family around us. Like no one, no one made us feel bad for our decisions at all. And and I like profusely thanked the team. I was like, thank you so much for, for letting me still like be in charge of this, you know? Yeah. And yeah. the doctor was like, I wish that more doctors let people, let women have their stories, you know, the way they want mm-hmm. them to. I wish that I wish that more women were respected. And mm-hmm. I just don't think he'll ever know like what kind of impact he made on on mm. me and my husband like it was just something we never thought we would get in a hospital and last thing i wanted to add was even though i was like horrified of ending up in a hospital every dream that i had about this baby like i had this like i had so many dreams that i was having this beautiful vaginal birth and the weird thing was they were all in the hospital like every single dream he was born so peacefully in a hospital. Mm-hmm. And I was just thinking like, why, why can't I, why can't I picture this happening at home? Mm-hmm. But I feel like in the end, it was just the way it was meant to be, you know, and yeah. I'm grateful for the whole experience. So oh, that's so awesome. Yeah. So it was awesome. amazing. <laughs> and I Thank love you. that, like, especially like going from like, like having a transfer that they really tried to kind of keep the, even though you're in a new environment, keep the same feel and desires in place. And they listened and they're like, nope, we have to do this, but nope, we're going to do this. Like it's policy. It's like, okay, Mm -hmm. you don't want this. We don't have to do this. Exactly. That's truly like, (laughs) it's really how it is, but it's not how it happens a lot of the times. And so it's okay to say like, no, I don't want that whether you were planning a home birth or not, you know, you don't have to have these things happen mm-hmm. just because mm-hmm. you're in the hospital. You don't. And yes. so that's kind of something I wanted to also send a reminder about because yeah, you can advocate for yourself. You really can. Yes. Yeah. And I thought that it was going to be a fight. Like the, the, the best surprise was that it was a respectful, like, okay. Instead of like, you know, you really should do this. Your baby could die. Like blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, I know the risks. I know. I mean, I came in knowing the risks and benefits to everything and no one 
push back on it. They let me do what I wanted to do as his mom, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, oh, yeah. I love that. I love, <laughs> love, love that. Congratulations. Thank you. And yeah, we actually, we have a blog all about how to choose, you know, where to birth. And, um, I kind of like want to talk about like, even if you choose to birth at home or a birth center or out of the hospital, right. And then it happens to go back to the hospital. That's okay. And it's hard because so many times in our world, we think like, oh, we failed. We didn't get to do this or whatever. And, and I even worried that, that like I was in labor for 42 hours and things were just moving really slow. I was kind of stalling out, hanging out there, had, had like a four um, and then kind of like at a six and, and they were like doing non-stress tests on me at the birth center. And I was like thinking they're going to transfer me. Like, they're just like, this is it. I'm, I'm going to transfer it. And, and in that moment, my doula looked at me and said, yeah, that's something that's being discussed, but nothing's happening yet. And in my mind, I said, okay, if this happens, you have to be okay with it. That's okay. Mm-hmm. You're just going to change locations. That's it. And that's okay. Like it's okay to change locations. And so I want to remind anyone out there, if for some reason, a home birth or a birth center transfers to the hospital, no, it's okay. And nothing, you didn't do anything wrong. Nothing failed. Like you just, it's just this story that's changing. You're changing the page and it's going to a new place. It's okay Absolutely. to have change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, I think it's also important to remember that like your story is 50% yours and 50% your baby's. Like your baby yeah. might need something different than you need or something different than you want. And you can't control someone else's destiny, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. I love that. It's 50% yours and 50% your babies. I love that so much. So yeah, if you want to read more about home birth um, after cesarean options or HVAC options, we have a blog about it and kind of deciding what's best hospital or home. Um, you know, it's different for everybody and we encourage all people to follow their hearts and their minds, you know, and their guts and what what resonates with them. And if a home birth doesn't resonate with you and a hospital does great, if a hospital doesn't and a home birth does great, you know, this is your birth, your birth, you get to choose. So congratulations again. And thank you, thank you. so much for sharing your story with us. Thank you so much for having me. Interested in sharing your VBAC story on the podcast? Submit your story at the vbaclink.com slash share. For information on all things VBAC, including online and in-person VBAC classes, the VBAC blog, and Julie and Megan's bios, head over to thevbaclink.com. Congratulations on starting your journey of learning and discovery with the VBAC link.